I am Liz Wright. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. The only thing that matters now is living by the power of this wonderful new creation life. We're going to become an undefeatable force of radiating glory and we are rising up strong now in this hour. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. I am Liz Wright. This show is all about empowering you to live in the fullness of who we actually are now as a new creation. In today's show, I'm going to be talking about the current crisis that we're in globally together with the coronavirus. And I am super excited about the person that I get to speak with today. He's a dear, dear friend of mine for many, many years. Somebody that he's probably my favorite brother in the world. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but (laughs) you will understand what I'm saying when I introduce him. He is a prophet to the nations. He has mentored literally millions of people. But with the, the privileged position that I have of having known him for over 20 years, I know that he is a man of absolute integrity. He is a friend of Jesus. And he is full of love and he is passionate that we all come forth in the fullness of who we actually are in Christ now, clothed in his nature. So as we begin, before I introduce him, I just wanted to read something to empower us all that I know my guest, my dear friend today is going to love and speak into that. Because even though the darkness is as it is right now in in the earth, there's an opportunity for us as the body of Christ and like never before we really need to sit at the feet of Jesus right now to lean into him and to be freshly empowered and actually to get our perspective of reality from Jesus from the tree of life not from the knowledge of good and evil right the knowledge of good and evil provides us with the knowledge of where we're to shine the light of Christ but actually it's God's perspective and his presence inside of us that's going to give us the necessary strength and wisdom in this hour to come forth. So he, he has a plan for this hour. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to, then I'm going to introduce the precious person that's with us today and we're going to jump, dive right in and release some nuggets that will change your life today. So just listen to these words. This was written by a little Irish priest. He released this this morning. He said, I think he's based in Italy, but he's a little Irish priest. But just listen to this with perspective. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic. There's panic buying. Yes, there's sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi in Italy, People are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and deliveries to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elderly among them may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, and the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, 
people are looking at their neighbors in a different way, a new way. All over the world, people are walking, awaking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be a meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of soul. Yes, there is even death right now, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how you live right now. Today, breathe. Right now, breathe. Listen behind the factory noises of your panic. The birds are singing again. Spring is coming. And we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul. And though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. That absolutely overwhelmed me this morning when I read that. And I thought, yeah, Jesus power us to do that. I believe what's in, what's in the Lord's heart right now is to birth a culture of love in the midst of all of this pain. He's going to shine through us. So I'm going to stop there and I'm going to introduce the one and only, the most awesome man of God, Sean Bowles. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sean. Oh, my dear hello, friend. Hello, hello. <laughs> we don't get to talk enough, so it's so fun to even do an interview together just because our paths are on different continents. <laughs> right, right, right. But very similar hearts. Yeah. Absolutely. Sean, can you speak in? I mean, this whole program, as you know, is about empowering the body of Christ, particularly yeah. right now with what's going on. It's very, very real. Can you give us as a as a very experienced prophet, something of the Lord's heart of, to sort of frame up how we should sit internally right now, how we should view things as the body of Christ. Yeah, I think, I think this is such a great opportunity to practice our maturity as Christians of perspective and leaning into the Holy Spirit because the gospel is a gospel of good news. And when God speaks, when he speaks to us about anything, it always ties us back into that good root, that good nature of God is love, that God's a provider, that God is breakthrough. And so right now he's saying a lot of things to the church and you can tell it's God because it doesn't incite fear. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that comes at us with the fear, it's like God, God knows he has so much empathy and compassion. If you're afraid right now and you're going through anxiety, he knows how to help you in that. And that same place that you're letting anxiety sit though, if you entertain it for too long, that's the same place he wants to build faith in you. So whenever you have a lot of fear, the good news is that's a place you have a lot of faith. You're going to actually have the counter opposite. Uh, I think right now in the nations that, with the coronavirus and then the fear around it. I think it's 5% virus and 95% fear. The fear around it, this global kind of epidemic of war in the air over the report, it's crazy to me to watch because, you know, the prince of uh, the Satan is called the prince of the air and the powers of the air. And right now we're seeing the airwaves of media. We're seeing the airwaves of uh, kind of a liberal or socialistic government. We're seeing the airwaves of, you know, the reporting mechanisms are failing and they're exaggerating and there's a lot of lying and then there's a lot of people who are calling things God 
or becoming prophets of doom, so to speak, that we're in the end times and this whole thing's going to end. And Liz, you and I have lived through together Y2K and bird right. flu pandemic and like all these things that were going to be the worst thing that ever happened. Yeah. They didn't have as much implications on how they change our actual lives. Like right now, our whole lives are being changed. This is the first worldwide event since our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, you know. And so it's hard for us because we haven't faced this before. But I think, of, you know, some of the places that I've been to, like different dumps in Malawi or in a war zone or Congo and in, in the big Congo, when you actually go to the war zone, there's guerrilla soldiers after you with guns or malaria wards or leper colonies or places that have gone to where the marginalized church, the persecuted church, people already experience this level of trauma and, uh, and it's day after day. Like, I mean, Congress, a war capital of the world has been in, in, in war for so long now that people have a level of trauma we don't even understand. We're being traumatized right now as a, as a world, as far as the Western world, in a way we never have before, but there's people who've lived this way. So the beautiful thing, I'm gonna talk about the actual what's happening, but the beautiful thing is when we bounce out of this, there's gonna be a move of compassion and a move of love towards the persecuted church and towards these countries. And there's gonna be, a, in millennials even, in the younger generation, they're gonna say, we shouldn't have extreme poverty. We shouldn't have extreme hunger. We shouldn't have, like, they're going to want to fix this in their generation, in their lifetime, because they're going to realize the little costs that they've experienced right now and the little price that they've experienced right now and how there's people who live this way that they have no other options because of evil governments or wrong, you know, wars or whatever that are happening right now. And so, um, you know, I do say that because in perspective, we have to look at what's happening at the least of these all the time before we look at ourselves. We have to look at there's people who live this way all the time with this kind of corruption over government, this kind of bad media, this kind of everything being controlled. And then we look at ourselves and we say, okay, God, you have a plan. And number one is the father in our generation's story. It's not the father's story for a whole generation to be taken out or for millions of people to die. Right? And I prophesy to you right now that millions won't die. It's not going to be tens of millions. Like the World Health Organization, a lot of the experts are saying up to 60 million dying in our generation. And I'm prophesying that's not God's desire. He's already sending cures. I know vaccination is very controversial because there's been so many bad vaccinations, political vaccinations, all these things. But there's medical science too, and God is bringing vaccinations. Like some of us don't have polio or measles or whatever because there was vaccinations given. So if you hate vaccinations, you may not like that part of the word. But there's also several pills that are going to be cures that are going to help work in the immune system. And I know that the new one, the anti-malaria pill right now, that many prophets saw that there'd be a medicine that was already in the market that would be able to be transitioned to use for this. I mean, Chuck Pierce, several others saw that. And so God's already extending great grace. Now we need to realize that as the church, he is wanting to extend great love through us in the midst of this kind of time. And he's training us where we've never been present on the media mountain. And I'm going to turn this back over to you. It's a, it's a long introduction. But no, it, it's brilliant. It's so weighty what you're saying, Sean. It's really, really yeah. critical. The body hears this in this hour. So please just feel free. Yeah. So uh, we've never been present on the media mountain in a real way as the church. We've never been present in the airwaves. You know, the church is called to tell people what God's doing and give the right report. And it balances out the wrong report. And we're supposed to give the report of love that there's a God who's bringing cures to cancer, not just seeing all the people who are dying of cancer. That there's a God who's bringing, you know, like that God cares about these things. That he hates cancer more than we do. He hates coronavirus more than we do. He hates uh, extreme oppression more than we do and, and human trafficking and these kinds of things. And so the church has not been in a place, even though we've done incredible efforts against these things, we've not been in a place to where we can report what God's doing. We can see what the enemy's doing. We see what man's doing wrong. But it's hard for us as a church because we haven't had a media present, presence. And I know a lot of churches and some of you are pastors who are watching this are going to relate to this. Over the last few years, God told you to get 
real estate online, meaning you were supposed to start your web streaming, you were supposed to start getting an app, you're supposed to start doing all these things. And some of you, all you've done is done informational, which doesn't work in this generation. We have to be connectors. That's who God is. He's a connector. And he wants to train us to be connectors online. So now we have to, because we have to do church online. And if you're just giving informational messages, and you're just giving, you know, um, just whatever, you know, you're just saying, here's our video announcements. It's not enough because people can't go to the events that you're doing on video announcements. They are virtual right now. Like the most of the world is virtual right now. And that means that we have an opportunity as a church to learn these incredible technologies that we've been last in line to that are made for connection before they're unhealthy, before there's all the misuse of them. They were sent here by God, just like you and I are connecting during the coronavirus and we can't meet together. We have to be six feet apart. You know, we're on a mandatory evacuation type thing uh, for you to go back to England, like those kinds of things. Like, but we can connect. Thank God. Like our there's no other generation that's been so wired to connect. And this is because the father has made us for connection and the church has not been present in social media and media and all these technologies. And they have to be right now because the great harvest that's about to happen. Yes. Yes. Come on. Speak it. In this way. So we're getting right now hundreds of thousands of churches are being trained in media right now. Hundreds of thousands. And this is part of God's will. Your word is so powerful. We have to have it. Sorry, Sean, say that again. It's like, whoa, waves of Holy Spirit while you're speaking. Please say that last sentence again. We have to have our virtual real estate, and it has to be as important as our natural real estate, because what we do virtually in building community is now where the world has gone. And so there is real community that happens online. There's real marriages that are formed because they dated online. There's real connections that are being formed. And yes, you can look at all the bad that's happened. But again, the Lord's going to use this. As a matter of fact, he told me that for dating, online dating, that during this time, many people are going to find their spouses because they're going to meet them online and spend quality, intentional time that they've never spent before because they have that time and they're going to go deep into intimacy where it's not about physical attraction. It's not about sexual chemistry. Those are important, but they're not primary. But it's about spiritual connection. And so there's going to be many people who find even their soulmate because they've actually have the time and the availability to connect spirit to spirit, which ha- either you connect in your soul online or you connect in your spirit online. And it's so beautiful. So there's, there's a lot that's happening. There's a lot of things that God's doing right now that if we can look to see what he's doing, and, and like you kind of have to do it in waves every day because there's waves of bad reports that are coming. So right. you have to recenter and reground yourself in waves yeah. into God's good report. And even some of the prophetic camps that you listen to or some of the, you know, the spiritual voices that we're listening to, a lot of them, I mean, they may be having a bad moment and they say some things that are not grounding, that are actually fear enticing. And we, you have to come back into, does this measure against God's good, good nature? Is this what he's shown us? Is this what we're believing for for now? 25 years. God knew this was going to happen before this happened. And yeah. so he's prepared us for it, which means how do we set ourselves apart in this season to operate in faith and not fear? Yeah, it's so powerful. I love what you're saying because th- this is the perspective we have to have, isn't it, right now? Mm-hmm. So that, we, you know, like Jesus says, anything that isn't faith is sin. Like, okay, you've switched to the wrong nature, guys. Let's yeah. shift back back so can you give us a little bit of an insight for the because i know there'll be millions of people that are listening and watching this and going ah they're feeling completely overwhelmed and terrified and you know just the spirit of fear that's over the top of this it's energizing it through the media i mean yes it's extremely real and very serious but like you say it's disproportionately energized by a spirit of fear which is affecting off the family of god worldwide as well so certainly in the Western world. Can, can you speak into that piece a little bit more from your own life, Sean? Because a lot of people are asking me, how, how 
you know, so how you, Sean, does do this on a daily basis? I will will say number one is we've just had the veil ripped where we realized how in danger we are without God's grace. Because, I mean, the the flu virus two years ago in America alone killed 80,000 people. Just the flu virus. Did it really? That's crazy, yeah. And that was during, uh, or maybe it was three years ago, it was during uh, uh, Biden and Obama's, uh, you know, time. And there was no protocol to it. There was, like, none of us were taught about social distancing. None of us were taught about how we can get it, how we should wash our hands for 20 seconds. Like the average child right now is learning how to be safe. And we're learning how to, as a world, we're learning how to have the right amount of relief supplies, whether there's a terrorist attack, whether there's sickness, whether there's whatever it is, we have to have extra. We have to store up the right amount. Just like Agabus, one of the first words in the New Testament, Agabus said, hey, for seven years, there's going to be a famine. Let's store up our storehouses. And they had enough not only to feed them, but the other Christians groups that were growing that had multiplied during those seven years, they were able to feed all the ones who hadn't heard the word in the initial time. They were able to still feed those ones that came into it later. And so it's a picture of there's a lot of um, preparation we have not done, and, and not just as Christians, but in society. And so God, this is a wake-up call for us that there's sicknesses out there that if, if God's grace wasn't on us, we would all be dead. <laughs> I yes. mean, we would all be yes. dead. I remember, I remember going to malaria wards, like maybe 97 to 2000, I went to the three or four and prayed for people. And we saw a lot of healing. At the same time, I think it was in 2000 or maybe it was 2000, no, it was after my other sickness, <laughs> 2001. Um, I went back somewhere, I think South America, and I got malaria because we didn't use the right mosquito nets in the, in the, and we had mosquitoes coming in. And we just were like, whatever, it's going to be fine. And we felt a little invincible. And we got, I got malaria and I had recurring malaria for like five or six years. And I remember just going, God, it's your grace all the time. I went into places where I should have got this that whole time. I didn't get it. And when I was walking by faith, now I'm walking by stupidity and I got it. You know, so there's something about, um, being prepared and caring. So that part of this has been really good for me. Like I feel like for the body of Christ at large, we're supposed to be first responders and we're supposed to be prepared. Like the whole Bible is about being prepared. We're supposed to care about preparedness and care about his grace that we know that where his grace is and we know where his grace isn't. And a lot of us were just living blindly. And so that part, that part is scary because all of a sudden you realize like how vulnerable we really are as humanity. Now that now let me address exactly what you asked. So I believe that right now in faith, like, you know, it's, it's God's good pleasure, the Father's good pleasure to give us his kingdom. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So there's an equation where he's saying, look, you know that the only way to actually enter into the pleasure of my kingdom is to walk in a measure of faith with me, where you look at the world and you go, this isn't your story. I have to look to you for your story. I need to train my eyes to see you. John 10, 10, Jesus gives the parable of the good shepherd who leads his sheep. In John 14, 15, and 16, he prophesies to the disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come. When he comes to you, he's going to only speak to you what's in the Father's heart. Then 1 Corinthians 2, they, uh, Paul describes for the first time what that looks like, what the prophetic looks like, basically, what hearing from God's voice looks like. Yeah. It looks like the Holy Spirit connects us to the deepest parts of the Father's heart now, and it's internal. So a lot of it's internally inside of us. We have to learn how to spiritually rebalance ourselves. How many of you have been friends with somebody, and Liz, you and I have a couple of people, yeah. where you're friends with somebody and you have to constantly rebalance them emotionally because they can't do it themselves, yeah. and that becomes dependency. Well, some of us are codependent with our churches or organizations because we make them spiritually rebalance our groundedness. Mm-hmm. And that's, God's not into codependency. He's not allowing it anymore. So we have to be justified by our own faith in God. And we have to be able to rebalance ourselves spiritually, which means I have to learn how to look at the right things throughout the day. That when I get that initial report of fear, it's not wrong to be harassed by fear or even traumatized by fear that it's not our fault. 
sometimes we're victimized by it. We are victims, you know, sometimes in that way, or we've been victimized. We're not victim mentality, but victimized. But if I entertain it and I don't rebuild that place in my heart and I'm waiting for something else to magically rescue me, that's when you come into a victim mentality and you won't enter into true faith because you'll stay in a place of trauma. And so we have a responsibility that whenever fear comes to us, that there's a response that says, okay, my emotions are this, my mind and all the intellect is this, what is the spirit saying? Yeah. And I have to be led by my spirit. And the moment I'm being led by my intellect, well, here's all the facts about Corona in my region, or that my emotions, oh my gosh, everyone's going to die. Yeah. The moment I'm led by one of those other voices that are part of me, and not by his spirit, who's searching the Father's heart and relating the Father's report to me, which means I may have to get tools. I may have to go online and listen to like Bethel worship or Elevation worship, or I might have to seek out messages like this one on the coronavirus. Like, what do people do in times of trouble? Or I might have to do a number of things, but I'm responsible for that. And, and the beautiful thing is that God made us hungry to be responsible for that, to lead ourselves. That says in First John 2.20, uh, you don't need any man to teach you, but God inside of you, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. You have an anointing of his voice to teach you. These are the times that matters. And so I feel like some of you who are facing fear right now, it's like a little kid, it's okay to go to them um, when they're like two and say, oh, you had a nightmare. I'm going to sit with you for a while as you fall back to sleep. Four may be okay. But once you get 10, 11, and 12, if that's a regular occurrence where they can't come back into a place of no one's going to break into our house, no one's going to kill us. I've never had that experience before, so there's, this is unjustifiable fear. I'm going to trust. If, if I have to still sit with them, I'm creating a codependent relationship where I'm not creating empowerment inside of them. And fathers better than we are as fathers and mothers. We have to actually trust that he sometimes leaves us alone to deal with a fear, meaning like he's still hovering right over us. But he's like, I want you to work that out in your soul to trust me. I want you to actually say, I will trust in you. Make the declarations you need to, tr- to say where your mouth goes. It begins to cause your spirit to lead your, your mind and your will and your emotions. And so I think it's, uh, some of us think, why aren't, you, why aren't you sitting with me this whole time? Why do I not feel your spirit? He's like, because I'm always with you. And I want you to feel the empowerment of I am the God who doesn't fit into time and space, but I fit into your temple somehow. I am always with you and I've never left you. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Sean, that's so powerful. This is why you mentor millions in the prophetic. (laughs) (laughs) You have wisdom, man. But but what you just said is so important. So do you see, I mean, in your, you're sitting, I can feel it in you. You're sitting in a seat of rest internally because you self-regulate emotionally. You're It's tested daily. I mean, Shree and I, I I can be honest. Um, this week was hard. Like all of a sudden, you know, like everybody else, we had yeah. the finances pulled out from under us. We had the team pulled out from under us. We had isolation. Like we have bills to pay. We have things to have happen. And we had to go, okay, God, what are the strategies? We're not powerless. And we had to call some friends. I had to call one of our spiritual mentors. I had to call one of our, like our business coach, people that we brought on, thank God, two, three years ago and more, five years ago. And I was able to call them and say, okay, talk me, talk me into the spirit right now. Like yeah, help yeah, yeah. me. So um, I do want to say, me well, regulate back into who I am. Yeah. Like I used to, a lot of times start in my flesh, but I am in the spirit and I can self-regulate, but I need help. And that's okay for people to hear too, is that you may need these relationships that you've built this long-term covenant with. Yeah. You may need those more now than you've ever needed them before. And it could be daily. Like we have a daily call with our business coach. Who's like a, who's like my big brother. And, um, and I'm so, you would love him, uh, Liz, cause he's like a New York Jew. He's, <laughs> he's like David Dryer, who our dear friend David Dryer from New York. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, uh, he's, you know, in this season, he completely rebalances us in one, and he's a risk manager in business. So, I mean, like he knows the risk. So he knows, he can tell you the negative really easily, but he knows how to stay grounded and he helps to ground it. So I've needed that. Like I've needed help to say, okay, 
I can regulate myself, but at the same time, I need somebody to help filter some of this information that's coming at me. And we need those relationships. And I'd encourage you, if you're alone and I sit right now, to have a Zoom call or Facebook call like this every day with somebody and pray with them for 10 minutes. To reach out. We really need each other, don't we? This is part of the, the establishing of a culture of love right now. You know, gone are the days where we fall apart and divide over theological differences or, you know, all that stuff. It's like, it's not important. What matters right now is that we love each other. We love each other well. We, we, and we, we, yeah, like you say, we encourage each other up. We build each other up in our most holy faith and being real with each other. I love your vulnerability. Sean, thank you for that. You've always been like that. You've always been real in your relationship <laughs> with Jesus and very real in your walk in life. And, and you teach because of that. You know, nuggets are coming because it's authentic to other people because it's authentic. You're living this out and you share from what you actually know. Well, it takes one to know one. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what do you see prophetically? So where there's, the world is as it is right now, and then there's a plan of God. What do you see the invitation to be that we can become in this hour? Well, as a culture without the, the step-by-step of the next two months, I'll give the bigger wide-sweeping picture because we don't know when this is going to come on. The wide-sweeping picture is I feel like um, nations are, like God has been setting up nations right now for a move of power and a move of his spirit and a move of the church having global expression. Like right now it's really interesting with the church at large, because if you go to a local church and your pastor teaches something that you're unsettled with, you can go online and find five or six celebrity quote unquote pastors for lack of better words, who are just, who are grounded in theology and they can teach you a thousand times better than your local church. So you don't need your local pastor to be your primary teacher anymore. You need a local fellowship to be a church, to be a real place where you guys find God together. And so it's been a very unique time because a lot of people go to churches out of the, the uh, consumer mentality and God's and transactional mentality. And God's breaking that. Some people go to church out of community mentality, and that's also that could be good, but it can also be self-serving. And God's creating in the church an actual place of connection where His He's leading groups of people by His Spirit for transformation, both inner and then outward, you know, outside the church, where the metrics change in society. And so I think over the next few years, we're going to see. Like we've had the biggest financial hits. We've had the biggest reset and rearrangement. I love what you read earlier. The biggest reset and rearrangement, I think we've probably had in our modern history. I mean, if you look at, I'm going to say a couple of things before you prophesy. So if you look at China right now with the um, pollution, they, they uh, came out with a newspaper report a couple of days ago. And it said that what would have taken 20 years of incremental cleaning of the air has happened now in the few months of shutdown. And it, you can look, you can go online right now and look wow. at the quality compared to what it used to be. The Venice canals, because they've been empty, are completely clear and full of fish. I've been to Venice so many times. I'm like, I can't believe that it could be clear. I didn't know it could be. Yeah. You know, right. so much pollution, like the earth is healing right now. There's so many things that are healing the earth. And God cares about agriculture. Yeah. And he cares about the earth. He cares about this stuff so much. And I feel like, um, you know, what's about to happen in this reset is God's reprioritizing people's work-life balance because we're having community at home. We're connecting to our family. Both problems are probably coming up because of that, but also intimacy of why we're together is coming up. Relationships happening. Yeah, he's giving us a new foundation of relationships. So when we go into this next move of his Holy Spirit, it won't be just about power or won't just be about salvation, but it'll be, be about being with him and covenant with him and connecting to him. So what happens after we get a lot of people saved, 
Well, most moves of God focus on the salvation, but they didn't focus on actual life development where we actually develop in God and then transform the world around us after that with his kingdom. I believe this next move of God is going to have a lot of a, a spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence about the further maturity, not just the initial stages of people got saved, which I love. I mean, the heaven throws a party, but also what happens when we become the mature one that Jesus is coming back for, the one that he's waited for. So I feel like the economy has been shaken because God's repositioning power and wealth. Yep. Uh, I read a report just a couple of years ago and I could, I could quote this somewhere. I have it, um, the link in my research and I can give it to you if you need it for this episode. Absolutely. Um, You'd love to. It was either Barna group or it was another group. So I'm not going to, I'll have to give you the link later, okay. but uh, they, they did a study in 2012 and said that the, the church of just America, Christians tithe, 10% for one year in America that year, that it would have been enough to cure extreme world hunger for five years, to eradicate 10 more diseases, to, um, to uh, create all, fund all the missions movements that are on the earth right now, and still to have $20 billion left over. Oh my goodness. It was like crazy. And I might be wrong on that exact wow. number, but it was like just one year, just one year of tithing. So that, that means a great wealth transfer has happened, but there's not unity and maturity and the Christians who are holding on to finances and resources, and there's not vision for what to do with it. So we're in a generation where the Western world, England and, and Europe and, and America and Canada, we actually have, and Singapore and these countries, we have enough of the wealth amongst Christians that we could solve whole world problems right now, but we don't have the inner transformation. So I believe what's happening right now is that God's going to position an awakening first, even before revival and awakening. It's a Hebrews 12 time where he's going to start shaking things that could be shaken so that we can see what we're standing on, the rootedness of, of who Jesus is, not everything else that roots us, like finances or secure position or these kinds of things, or even identity in ministry or identity in calling, but actually being rooted in who Jesus is. And as he shakes that, we already have the resources. God has already been our provider for our generation to start taking on huge extreme efforts. Like when William Wilberforce took over uh, on the issue of slavery, and that was just one of the issues he took over and said, we're going to change this in our generation. He used his influence. He used the current wealth that was available at the time. And he used uh, media and, when you, and newspaper reports and these kinds of things and small gatherings with lords and ladies and these kinds of things. It was already there. It was like everything he needed. And he had an understanding of that. Well, we're in that kind of generation again where the provider has provided our solutions to world problems but we need the revelation and we need the connected life so we could do it rightly because the greatest answers that um, United Nations can give over war zones and extreme poverty places and they're self-aware of this are not enough. So we, we could have all the money in the world right now and it won't solve the problem because the corruption, there has to be healing of corruption, which happens through the root of Christianity, which happens through morality being spread because people have a goal of, of loving Jesus and holiness because they want more of him, not just doing right and wrong. And so I believe that we're at this, this precipice of, I think our economy is going to, uh, uh, especially in Europe and America is going to re, uh, in North America, this is going to um, rebalance very rather quickly. I think it's going to be, it might be three to five years. It's not going to be 20 years. It's three to five years. There's going to be an immediate, but then there's going to be a climbing. But I think for America, specifically for those of you who are watching America, we're about to have the strongest economy over the next three to five years we've ever had in our history. And uh, one of the prophecies I have, and I know it's controversial because a lot of people don't like Trump. Um, there's so many Christians who don't like Trump. There's so many in the world who doesn't like Trump. I believe that God is going to appoint Trump again for another four years. Um, I've not been on the Trump train in the sense of like, I think he's the Cyrus of our generation. I do think that God's done a lot through Trump that's measurable. You could actually look at the things. I, I look at every leader when I'm studying them, whether it's, you know, your leaders in, in the UK or 
brothers here. And I look for what God's doing through them because you can always come into agreement and really pray for them that way. I know you do the same thing. I do. I yeah. thought that happened that was good through Obama. And some people think that's controversial for me to say, but there's so many good things that happen in his administration as far as, you know, healing of civil rights, racism, the whole thing. Um, well, with Trump, there's a healing of the economy. There's some unrighteous root social systems that came in. And I think we're going to spring back. I think he's going to get elected and we're going to spring back. And if I'm honest, the end of a second term or, th- or second year to third year, not second term, the end of a second or third year, uh, beginning of the third year, somewhere in there, we're going to start to have probably the, the second or the first greatest economic strength we've ever had as an American country. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have ripple effects on other countries of strengthening them. And it's also going to give people a voice to what would normally happen through war because they've had to go to conflict to make huge decisions. It's going to happen through some of the prosperity of agreements that they're making that they have to make an agreement a certain way to come to the table of these kinds of conversations in the nations like Iran or like North Korea, that they're going to have to make compromises in how they would normally operate if they want to be a part of the bigger picture. And they'll make them not because of war efforts or because of sanctions, but because they want to be a part of this thing that's happening in the nations of prosperity. And so I think, you know, in our lifetime, I also believe that there's countries that God wants to resolve, like North Korea, that there's country, it's situations like Iran and Syria that God wants to resolve. And he's committed to the, the, those resolutions. And Christians are, I'm telling you, this move of compassion is going to happen in the next, you know, year because of what we're experiencing. When we hear about Syria, we're going to hear it differently. When we hear the trauma of a Syrian who not only, they don't have internet, like we at least are blessed with internet. They have nothing. They have no food, no clothes, no, nothing new. And, they, and they're just... They're living in perpetual fear with cyclical thoughts that the world hates us. And you have a group like that who God loves. And there's biblical promises in Syria that haven't come forth yet. I mean, in the Bible, there's promises still in that region. And so we're like, God wants to heal nations and he wants to use us in our little ways. I mean, some of us feel so little. We're like, God, I'm traumatized right now. He can heal your trauma today. And then you can come, you can become one of the forces of transformation in this world with his great love. So powerful. Sean, I just wanted to jump in before you prophesy. I mean, just in closing. Now, when you were speaking then, I'm I'm so excited in my spirit. I can feel power and I can actually feel the compassion you're imparting it. It's like I could feel the compassion of Christ rising inside of me where we literally move with his heart towards, like you say, the people in other nations that we would have feared even a few days ago. We're now like going, there, there are people. They're all part yeah. of the, 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 the human race. You know, Jesus died for every single person, right? And so we're coming into a completely different place. When you were speaking, I could feel that. And then I also saw the blueprint for how we build kingdom on earth yeah. dropping. Wow. And that as we learn how to have relationship now and he heals us you know the enemy's meaning x for harm and jesus is working his purposes out bringing everything into conformity with the counsel of his will with the plan that he devised before the foundation of the earth he's wrapping up human history as he wants to as we know i could see it dropping you know and those those that have been made ready through ability to like you say have a spirit of generosity towards one another where we choose to prefer each other we build together it's about building his kingdom right on earth. And it's going to come from the culture of love, from the love of his heart. You know, Jesus said to me, you know, this is a whole other show, but the Clapham sect and William Wilberforce, you know, married to Wes, who's a reformer without an off button. And so that's a massive theme in everything that's in my life. But yeah, I mean, I can see, we are going to understand the ways of God. Like you said, have the spiritual intelligence to know how to build the kingdom on earth at this time. And so I don't, 
yes, it's a horrible situation. We have to be real. And like you say, prioritize our relationships with each other, our covenant relationships to keep each other strong, building each other up in our most holy faith. But it's not a time to fear and certainly not to take our counsel from fear. Like you said, yes. it was profound. Yes. Like, yeah, the fear is there. The fear is real, but it's not our counsel. So to just emotionally regulate, come back up high, back into an attitude of faith, resting in him. It's getting his, you know, his spirit dispensing through us again. So we can see clearly. Benny, I'll stop there. So thank you for what you just shared. It was like dynamite power. Can you prove well, we'll yeah. I'm going to tell you this. We have a free resource we'll give to your viewers, which is the how to stand against the coronavirus prophecy, prayer and declaration. You can share it however you want to share it. Yes. Um, if, and everybody really can share it. PDF and it has a declaration, biblical declarations against fear. If you have a coronavirus, you to pray for healing. Also to stand in health. And yeah. There's a prayer to pray. There's also prophecy about what God wants to do in this. We also have our breakthrough book, which is prophecies, prayers, and declarations. Just about to say that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. I was actually going to say, yeah, 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 Sean. That's what I'm feeling in my spirit. People need. They need the tools in their hands right now, like never before, particularly for breakthrough. Wow. When the process there's going to be breakthroughs because we need it because we're going to go into a season where you have to pray those prayers and yeah. you have to believe that God is the one who broke through. And here's the one thing I want to say about breakthrough because this is the prophecy that I want to end with and I'm going to pray over is that when David, the first time God appears as breakthrough in the Bible as a name is David's in the Valley of Baal Perazine, or in the Valley, I'm sorry, in the Baal, I think Rafa, I think the Rafa Valley. Yes, Rafa, yes. Kings 5 and he says, um, he gets his greatest victories he's ever had against the Philistines there. And this is the place that coronate their, their kings and actually raise them up as gods after they die. And they're all giants. So they're known as a giant race of people. And so he says, in the land where you coronate your kings and you have your Baals, which are your gods, you create these men to be gods. My God is my Baal. He calls it, there's the only time scripture says that God is a Baal. My God has become the God above all gods. He's made your giants look small because he's called Baal Perazim, the one who breaks through. Now, this is what's going to happen in our lives. And the areas that feel like huge giants to you right now, God wants to bring breakthrough in such a way that what felt huge today, by the time he brings a breakthrough, he will look so beautiful and so big to you that you'll be like, surely, my God, there's no one like him. That's what he wants to do in the season is make you feel like, wow, whether it's in resource or in health or it's in fear or whatever, anxiety, these kinds of areas. When he gets the victory in your heart, when he comes through, like breakthrough means waters that burst forth and go places that they make their own way. They make their own path. They break forth even if something is resisting them. And that's what God's going to do is a river of life that's in Jesus inside of you is going to break forth into your life. And he's going to bring a miraculous deliverance that even the things that the enemy meant to use against you will turn into the things that serve you and cause you to prosper. And so this season that feels like it's so against all of us is going to, God's going to cause us to prosper. And this book on breakthrough that I wrote is just prayers, prophecies, and declarations for like family, for business, for uh, transition, for uh, warfare, all these things. So you might want to get it and read it, but we have a free mini booklet that's about the coronavirus that you can also get for free, of, of course. But I'm going to encourage you guys right now. I just prophesy every, this is your season of breakthrough. It doesn't feel like it. God wants to turn something around. First, it starts here and in the spirit, and then it lands in the natural. Yeah. Come on. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? Yes. We're going to see that truth manifest in the body of Christ. Amen. Sean, thank you so much. That was powerful. I know that everybody out there, the family of God is so strengthened by what you've just shared. It's so needed. We need perspective and you just gave it to us. So well, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Pardon? 
Thank you for inviting me. Oh my goodness. It's an absolute honor to have you on, Sean. We love you. We love Cherie. We love the girls. We're championing you on at this time, standing together in the spirit. So bless you. Thank you so much. And for everybody joining, we just bless you. If you know people right now that are going to be strengthened by listening to this content, please like, share, put this out on your social media. Let's get this viral so that we can all rise up stronger together. As Sean was saying, you know, we, we're going to rise together through the encouragement of each other in this season. We're going to come into our finest hour now, shining the greater one, right? That's within us. Christ in us is going to be released in this season like never before. So thank you all for tuning in. Look forward to being with you again next Monday. God bless.